Since COVID has allowed us to all work remotely, this has opened up new opportunities to working for companies that might not necessarily be in your backyard or really even in your own country. And in light of this, in today's episode, we're going to explore what it's like to work in and hire people for international teams. And to do this, we are joined by Sergio Matai, who is the founder at Index, a business that helps growing companies hire world-class remote software developers and teams. And in this episode, you'll learn all about cultural nuances of hiring developers from one culture to another, how to deal with team members in different time zones, and the complexities of paying those who are based in other countries. Now, if you like this episode, some other episodes from Brains Bite Back that you might enjoy are the impact of gold and crypto on global currencies, inclusive UX, how design delivers impact, and software that predicts employee burnout through language. Disclosure, this episode contains a client and Respacio portfolio company. So I'm founder of Index. We are a London-based platform helping enterprises like uh, Go Euro, uh, Omio, uh, Vodafone or Twilio uh, find and hire uh, remote software developers. Nice. And that's an impressive portfolio of our clients there. Now, in today's episode, uh, we want to explore like uh, hurdles when hiring or working in international teams and companies. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on as I guess for this episode is not only because of the work that Index does, but also the company that you founded before called Traveled. Uh, could you tell our listeners a little bit about that, please? Uh, so before starting in Nix, I, um, I founded Traveled. Uh, it's a translation marketplace uh, localizing content for actually more than 6,000 brands uh, from Amazon e-commerce to movies and also logistics, manufacturing companies like Boeing and Swissport. I started the company almost 11 years ago and we hired uh, over the course of uh, the years we hired more than uh, 100 uh, translators in more than uh, 100 countries uh, and uh, we translate content for in about 160 languages uh, as of now that's a very large selection of places and languages now i'm sure you've had a lot of experience all over the world and given your experience i'd love to hear what you think are the greatest hurdles when hiring talent internationally yeah so uh Finding talent, I think, is is the number one uh, uh, challenge, particularly sourcing or uh, trying to understand who is your ideal candidate and where can you find them. It's much easier when, let's say, you you hire based on your zip code or uh, your uh, city, but once you start looking internationally and assessing talent uh, globally, then... um, you have you go into different uh, nuances of every country uh, has its own job board uh, site or a specific language or approach uh, to source talent. Nevertheless, over the years, I've found out the best way to 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 find talent is through referral. However, when when you when you recruit globally outside of, of your network, then maybe this approach doesn't work. So your second best shot is to do more outbound, more outreach, uh, build a relationship, uh, connect with local communities when, you, when you're when you sourcing and looking to hire internationally. Or perhaps you can um, access a talent network like Index. We managed to grow about 300% just this year and also another 300% last year, even in the pandemic, we saw a big uh, spike in, in uh, companies uh, looking to hire remotely. And once you want to hire remotely, then there is no 
limits or there is no barrier where you can hire uh, the talent. That's some impressive growth, especially during a pandemic. Well done. Now, I would be curious as well. I I know um this might uh, be a curveball question, but like, how international is your team? Like, which corners of the world do you have people in at the moment? And um, yeah, I'd just be interested to to hear a selection of the the nationalities that you got on your team. So at Index, we uh, we have uh, people based in UK. Uh, we have people based in France, Italy. Uh, we have uh, a big part of our employees in Moldova. Um, we have uh, colleagues in Uzbekistan. We just uh, um, hired somebody from, uh, I think, from uh, a neighbor country, uh, Kyrgyzstan, or we just made an offer to a colleague fr- from from that region. Uh, also, having developers in uh, Colombia, in uh, uh, Ukraine, uh, Armenia, um, India, Pakistan. I enjoy this diverse uh, uh, this diverse group of people, uh, talent that we we managed to to get together. It sounds like a real mixing pot. It sounds also like you're kind of uh, collecting one from each country as you go. I mean, as you expand, <laughs> naturally, that's going to be the, the case, I'm sure. It's not a bad goal to have. At least then you have like an understanding of uh, cultures from literally everywhere. And I'd, I would love to know like uh, what the, like, the, about the cultural nuances of hiring developers you have experienced. Um I mean, for example, like I am from the UK, but I live in Colombia and there's definitely a difference in how business is conducted. But um, there's clearly differences when it comes to business and work ethic and just so many ways. Uh, So I'd love to know, like, for example, like why hiring in Germany? Why would that be extremely different from hiring in Colombia, for example? Yeah, so, uh, for example, in Germany, when when you're doing... um... Uh, sourcing or uh, trying to find talent, you would find out that a lot of people use Xing, not LinkedIn, for example, compared maybe to, to other countries in Europe. At the same time, we see people in uh, in in CE region or uh, LATAM uh, tend to be more humble in a way or shy compared to, let's say, US or UK or uh, Germany. And I'm coming from this CE region and we don't brag about our achievements or not so often we're, we're Maybe we we kind of um, um, try to be, you know, uh, like humble. Would you uh, say? Yeah, yeah, uh, humble. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, more humble. When recruiting, you cannot assume that the applicant has told you everything about their skills, their experience, their extracurricular activities. Uh, I remember once I interviewed an engineer, uh, and I, just by accident, I discovered that he was building rockets. You know, and for him, that was pretty normal. And um, but you want to. Uh, to find out um, and and try to have a sort of um, dig deeper and try to understand, maybe give them some examples of uh, accolades that impresses you and that you can ask them uh, if that's something they can relate to or they have some similar experiences and then you can find out some hidden talent or uh, people that perhaps are Olympic medalists in maps or uh, they worked for big sort of uh, state company and did implemented bigger uh, projects that um, you might find fascinating. I mean, like, I'm, I'm really blown away by that. That's really nice to hear because I didn't know that existed. Uh, I've not really been to much of uh, Eastern Europe, I must have to say. Shamefully, I'd love to. It looks absolutely wonderful. Um, but I didn't know that that existed as a part of the culture. And I find that very refreshing because my main work is I have a background in PR. And I feel like PR is completely the opposite, where you try and 
spice everything up to look as impressive as you can and brag as much as you can and i think that like the us definitely has a culture of that because it's like that kind of fake it till you make it or keep going and <laughs> i i can see a, a difference there now i i would also like to know as well if you've found uh differences in time zones difficult when it comes to working with teams and if so like how have you overcome these issues Yes, actually, I love working with different time zones. And even before pandemic, uh, I was living in uh, San Francisco and a big part of my team was in, in Europe. It actually helps me a lot to, to stay focused. Uh, you do your work and then you have less meetings. Um, as long as you have like two, three hours overlap, you can sync uh, your agenda uh, for those catch-up calls. And for the rest of the day, you can leave people to do their job, you know. I believe um, employees need flexibility. For instance, when you work remotely, uh, you need to trust more people and uh, leave them to their job. And uh, by working on different time zones, it's easier to do so. Uh, Given the fact you you select the right people, you agree on deliverables, you provide proper tools, learning and support, and just get out of their way so you can be there Uh, to help them you can be there to lead but i don't find it particularly difficult to to work in different time zones even uh kind of rewarding in terms of uh, uh, what one can accomplish during the day and then uh, not to be disturbed by meetings and uh, slacks and uh, charts and so on yeah i can understand that and i definitely think tools are very necessary so uh certainly because well i work uh in on eastern time at the moment as it stands and i'll be going to the uk actually in a few days to return home to spend time with my family for christmas and that's going to be particularly difficult because i'm about to experience this myself but i think with certain tools it it can definitely facilitate uh or it it can definitely help um so certainly like voxer for example i'm not sure if you've used that but that's particularly useful just for leaving voice messages and i find that even if you're not on the same time zone to have a call you can essentially condense everything you want to say into a voice note, send it, and then once the other person hears it, they do the same thing. So it's like, it's it's a bit staggered and it's not the same as like actually being on the phone with someone. But I feel that that can definitely help. And yeah, with the right tools, it is manageable, no doubt. Yeah, we, we use screen sharing tools where you can see the person and also you can share the screen and leave some comments in Google Docs and they, uh, also give that the audio uh, and video kind of uh, touch to mm. to the text uh, we found that useful um, in the last years yeah, and yeah. voice ma- uh, like living voices yeah and uh, it's like you can you can uh, record our um, skype mm-hmm. yeah. yeah these tools are definitely essential in the, in this new world of different time zones and uh, international teams Hopefully you're enjoying the show. And if you are, make sure you subscribe and never miss an episode. You can find us on all your usual podcast sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and a whole lot more, including YouTube. And we want to hear what you think, so be sure to leave us a review. Just search Brains Bite Back wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I would also love to know about like if you have legal issues or anything that you've had as a problem legally when hiring uh, an international team or perhaps logistics of paying salaries or anything else along those lines and how you've overcome them as well. Yeah, so uh, you're right. There are a lot of challenges when, when you hire internationally. 
particularly for me, is paying uh, globally. Um, I'll give you some examples. For example, we're using WISE and Revolut, uh, but they don't cover all the countries. For example, Revolut won't cover Ukraine or WISE won't cover Russia, uh, or um, uh, both of them won't cover a lot of countries in Asia. Uh, you could use a bank, but then a bank will charge you a lot of fees. So you have um, in, uh, in some Latin countries, you also have challenges transferring money in for those people to, to receive the, the income. And let's say when we worked with with freelance translators, it might be a small project and then you would pay like 10, 20% of that amount in fees when making a sort of small amount transfer. Uh, you could use PayPal. PayPal is not in all of those countries. So this really kind of uh, pisses me off, to be honest, these payments. Even, even uh, if you use WISE, when you transfer uh, from different currencies, they charge you of about a, a percent uh, on conversion. And let's say uh, you hire someone and you pay them, I don't know, 50, 60K a year, uh, then it adds up. And then the, 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 the SWIFT uh, transfer also another fee. And then you get to 600, maybe 1,000 uh, per year cost just on, on, on transferring the money. So you could give those, those fees back to employee to, I don't know, to go for a nice vacation. But the way we use it is like, we we see like we use it for example wise revolut for uh in country or in between europe where the, the the fees are really low and we try to use the same currency so we don't lose money on transfers and employee get the entire amount and for countries that are um, outside the eu or perhaps where you have this kind of exchanges or you have high fees for swift pay we, we try to use uh, paypal where possible we try to use um charge from the client side the fee so the talent can get the entire amount or we could use uh, batching sort of collecting more payments and then making one transfer and lowering the fee per transfer uh, because of that so trying to be creative and trying to you know to give those fees back to employee or to the talent rather than to the bank <laughs> Yeah, that's where you want it to be going to your employers, like you said, so they can do something nice with it. And I have experienced all of those issues that you mentioned, so I know where you're coming from. I would also be interested to know if any of your employees have expressed an interest in being paid by a, in cryptocurrencies. Yes, uh, we, we, we did have such cases and we, uh, yeah, we paid uh, is in crypto, but uh, it's very rare and at this stage and maybe we can do more of that and maybe that that's the way moving forward with um, uh, reducing the fees did you find that like um by paying with crypto you were able to avoid more fees or did it seem better overall in um yeah being able to send the actual like value and money to them in our case we did just a very small sample of those transfers mm -hmm. uh, so i couldn't couldn't tell if at scale that's uh that's cheaper but um it also at least on our cases uh, not all the all the employees have access also in those countries it's easier perhaps in us or uh, in eu to have access to uh, different marketplaces where you can um, buy and sell or exchange those um, uh, crypto assets into into cash so you can use that in going to groceries the groceries or paying your rent so yeah, I think that the technology is not yet there and it's 
it's still um i suppose it's still early gun- days you would say it's yeah still, yeah, yeah no, no, no. still needs time to develop i get that i can completely understand that well it's exciting nonetheless and i i do have uh one more question for you before we go and i would love to know like how do you foresee the hiring of developers and talent across the globe like changing over the next five years yeah, I think I think COVID just opened up a new opportunity and accelerated the the remote trends. I think you should prepare for more even salaries between countries, since um, you hire people everywhere. But they perhaps work for U.S. or U.K. companies, being in Colombia or uh, Pakistan or Ukraine. Uh, then their salary will will um, uh, will come closer to those of U.S. That's particularly what we see right now in the def- relating to hiring remote engineers, uh, software developers. I think the advantage of arbitrage when you can outsource or hire engineers in developing countries is less of the benefit. And um, the difference between cost uh, per hire shrinks and you would pay more uh, than before because now you, you have companies looking everywhere. They don't hire just based on the zip code. And... Um, it's like, you know, um, I think we, we are heading to a world where reducing this inequality and creating more equal opportunities for everyone everywhere, uh, a more perhaps distributed world. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about the future and about um, how we can um, uh, do more and expand uh, with remote work and uh, offer opportunities for everyone everywhere. Yeah, I definitely think you're right in the sense that personally for me, I think people should be paid for the job they do and the work they put in rather than based on where they are based essentially and i think being in colombia i've seen lots of people have opportunities uh, to work remotely for us countries and receive pay that they would not be able to get here um, and i think that's really inspiring because uh yeah they're, they're able to do the exact same things that anyone else can do so i th- i feel like they should be paid the same as anyone else that can get that job really regardless of where they're doing it from. And um, yeah, I, I get the sense that with an international team and international workforce and international opportunities, there's more yeah, opportunity and equality for everyone across the world to be paid for the work they do rather than just being stuck in the, wherever they happen to be a citizen of. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly. Yeah. And uh, are you a fan of a football team? <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I don't actually uh, follow football that much uh, but i'm interested to hear what you have what you you've got for me yeah uh, it's like it's like you know having liverpool <laughs> only from of players born in liverpool <laughs> you never you never win the champions league you, you need to have you know more salary you need to have money you need to have all of this international players talent mm-hmm. that can um, you, you can build a winning like top team with diversity and inclusion of everyone i think that's the way moving forward yeah I think that's a great analogy and actually surprisingly a football analogy that I actually understand. So, so well done. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So Jill, uh, if people want to keep up with the work you're doing and uh, follow you perhaps on social media, uh, how can they do that? Uh, so I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, but also you can just go on index.dev and um, uh, drop us an email. Um, happy to, to work together, uh, help in any way. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Growing a company has many hurdles, from securing funding to expanding your business capabilities to ranking better on search. Each business challenge is uniquely complex. 
The solution to these challenges is growth-focused digital PR and marketing, and that's where our sponsor Publicize comes in. Publicize sets itself apart from traditional PR companies. It does not charge large retainers or turns out press releases whether you've got a newsworthy announcement or not. Publicize builds on your business's online presence and gets high-quality PR and media coverage for startups and entrepreneurs who are priced out of a broken PR industry. And for a limited time only, exclusive to Brains Bite Back listeners, you can receive a social media assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash BBB. That's publicize.co slash BBB. This is the end of today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this and you want to hear more episodes just like it, then follow and subscribe to Brains Bite Back wherever you get your podcasts. We're also available on YouTube under the channel of our publication, The Sociable. Just search Brains Bite Back and you'll find all of our episodes there. We really love hearing what you have to say. So leave us a review on iTunes or on any other podcasting platform to let us know what you think. You can also reach out on Twitter at, at The Sociable. And finally, go to sociable.co where you can find all our episodes and plenty of articles on topics just like this. Thanks again for joining us and until next time, stay safe and stay healthy.